Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajara Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Here's how we solve everybody's problem. Brian Gutekunst apologizes to Aaron Rodgers with his actions. And he calls up Atlanta and says, let's make this real easy for both of us. You chose not to draft Matt Ryan's eventual heir apparent with the number four pick you could have. You do need to address that at some point. I'll give you Jordan Love for Julio Jones. And in so doing, the Green Bay Packers have made the ultimate mea culpa. They've acknowledged what they did was wrong. So Brian, Mark Murphy, and Green Bay, you're welcome. Get on the phone with Terry Fontenot. Call up Atlanta. Trade them Jordan Love. Make him someone else's problem. Get Julio Jones in. And you might just bring Aaron Rodgers back. That's Mike Greenberg. Listen to him 10 a.m. and noon. I love Okay. Right here on ESPN 690. You can listen to us 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. every day on ESPN 690. Football at 5. and Oh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Aaron Rodgers probably gave us about another three weeks of content all around the country and here locally as well to speak about Aaron Rodgers. Poor Jordan, man. I mean, what did that guy ever do? Yeah. All he did was try to play football, get drafted, and Green Bay chose him. And, and now he's in the middle of this soap opera. And he's like, I haven't even played a freaking down. Yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't even taken a snap. Nobody even knows what number I wear in the NFL. <laughs> and, and and make, like Greenberg says, make Jordan love somebody else's problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, poor guy, huh? I mean, it is a poor guy. You know, there were some rumblings around Green Bay, though, saying that he's not ready to be the leader yet. Um, going into his, I think it would be his second season. Uh, they don't feel confident of where he's at right now. Now, whether that's true or not, I mean, I'm not sure. But... Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, look, I, I get the sentiments spoken here by Greenberg, and it does make sense. Um, obviously, it shows that you're going to be with Aaron Rodgers for, you know, the however long he's got left in his career, and I understand that. But to go from saying, okay, we found Aaron Rodgers' replacement, to Aaron Rodgers being upset about that, and now to trade that replacement away for Julio Jones, and I'm not sure how many years Julio Jones has left in his career, so you're trading him for a first-round pick, essentially? I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I, what, does it, what does it say about the, the, the GM that drafted Jordan Love then? Yeah, you know? listen, the bottom line is it, if Aaron Rodgers, it might be simple as this. It might be the GM or Aaron Rodgers. And so the Green Bay Packers are going to have to make that. This sounds like GM, GM, GM. This, this is what it's about. It was word that it was about that. And that hasn't been denied by Aaron Rodgers. And then yeah. he basically said, hey, listen, I love Jordan Love. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. But he didn't say anything nice about the front office. And the front office, the figure in the front office is the GM. Correct. And so I think this is all about him. And maybe that's the only way to salvage this. It might be Aaron Rodgers or or the uh, GM of the Packers. It might not need all this other stuff. Like, I just don't know if you listen to what Aaron Rodgers said. And maybe this is kind of the long game for him, or really it's a short game, to say, all right, give me somebody like Julio Jones and I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't sense that, man. I didn't sense this was going away if you got him a player, right? Like, yeah. is that enough? I don't think so. I, I think this is more, like he said, it's about culture, it's about the people, and he doesn't like the people and the culture there right now and what they've represented, the moves they've made, and, and how they viewed this thing going forward. Like, if this isn't that uncommon, I don't think – 
in my opinion, at the end of the day, when the Tom Brady book comes out about New England, I think the rumblings about what was going on in New England and there might be some dissension amongst the ranks that started a few years ago. I think it was like a Sports Illustrated article or something. Yeah. And then the, the idea that he was getting out of there, I think this started like five years ago for Tom Brady and their lack of of commitment to him, even though he said, I am going to play until I'm 44, 45 years old. They didn't believe him. They didn't want to sign him to a long deal. They signed him to these two-year deals instead, and sooner or later, he's like, you know what? I'm out of here. You didn't believe in me. And so it's deeper than just go get me a player. And so I don't think that's the answer for Green Bay. Unfortunately, I think this could end up with an unhappy Rodgers still playing in Green Bay, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going away unless the GM goes away or Rodgers goes away. No, I agree because Julio Jones is essentially a, a you know a band aid that Green Bay obviously thinks that you can just put over uh, you know this cut and it's going to be okay. But the problem is that it's not just a small cut. This has been a festering sore that seems like the past three or four years. Because when you talk about culture and you talk about all these things, culture doesn't happen overnight. And culture doesn't change overnight. So if you have a problem with the front office, you have a problem with you know management, whatever the case may be, you have a problem with how things are ran, that didn't happen from just one season. This has been building and building and building for a while now. So to say, all right, let's get Julio Jones and let's let bygones be bygones, you're naive to think that way. Because it's going to take more than just one transaction, no matter how great that transaction is, no matter how much he can help the team, and obviously you at the quarterback position. I think it's even deeper than that. Yeah, I believe it is too, and I don't know what the answer will be for Green Bay. I, I do think, uh, like we've said, I, I think he's going to end up playing there. I just don't know if that's going to be a happy uh, Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't mean you can't play well, though. You know, I don't know if Tom Brady was happy all the time in New England. Still played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has always been happy in Green Bay. Still played well. I don't know if Brett Favre back in the day was happy in Green Bay. Still played pretty well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's just the, the nature of it. And, uh, you know, piggyback on what Kenny Mayne said in the way he phrased the question, and we talked about this in the early part of the show, but do you think there is still that like massive divide of, hey, I'm the GM or I'm the brass or I'm the coach and you're the player? And that has really changed because of salaries, uh, the power of the player, empowerment, if you will, and all these other circumstances. And we just aren't – some people won't admit it. Some organizations won't admit it. It seems like a team like the Seattle Seahawks have acknowledged it, you know, acknowledged that, hey, there's some power in the player. And we've got to listen to the player. And I don't even know if I'm accurate about the Seattle Seahawks, but it feels like it. Mm-hmm. But then there seems like there's other organizations, maybe Green Bay right here for an example, maybe even when – you know, go back to the Coughlin and Jack situation here in Jacksonville, that they weren't ready to admit that that was the way the world was changing. I'll be honest with you, at times I haven't been ready and willing to admit that. You know, it kind of doesn't feel like the way it has worked, but I think we have to acknowledge change. These guys are making $40 million a year. These guys are, they, they, the quarterbacks are Tom Hanks in a movie. Guess what? Tom Hanks whatever gets whatever the hell he wants in the green room. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> you know, for sure. I mean, that's that's the way it goes, and I just don't know if we we really have come around fully on that um, with players, especially the power of the the athlete and the power of the quarterback in the NFL. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think some people haven't seen the light yet, but at the end of the day, they, they better because you know Bob Dylan said the times are changing, and they definitely are. And when we talk about the quarterback position, where you see the value in fantasy football, obviously. You see the value of their paychecks. 
you see how the rules are changed to suit um, team scoring and helping out the quarterback. You see how the rules are changed to protect the quarterback. You see how all the endorsements usually go to the quarterback. It is the outlier position. It is, it is the most important position, I think, in all professional sports. So when we throw all those attributes into the blender, you better believe that they're ranked higher than everybody else's. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because you play the quarterback position doesn't mean you've earned the right to be above everybody else on your team. That comes with winning. That comes with putting up stats like Aaron Rodgers has done. Like Russell Wilson is, you know, has done and is on his way to doing even more. Like maybe Deshaun Watson has done in a short amount of time. Like Patrick Mahomes has done. Like just because you play a quarterback in the NFL and you're starting doesn't mean like you have all this cachet. But once you've established yourself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, then yeah, you essentially, I think in my opinion, you you have a say on that team, um, and and your opinion should be valued because you are that important. Coaches will say it. You know, players will say it. Like, everybody's on the same page here. Uh, 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 a top-five quarterback is, is so important to a team, and it, it makes things so much easier um, in terms of trying to hoist that Lombardi trophy. So if we're talking about all of that, then, yeah, you better show them a little extra respect as opposed to maybe a defensive lineman or even a wide receiver just because they are that important. So they, they should be treated as such. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but that's the way that it is. The reason I bring up, I, I love these conversations this offseason, from Watson to Russell Wilson, and again, the Watson conversation has really pivoted in, in terms of what that means, but it, it, the way it started is what I'm talking about. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers now, uh, from Tom Brady's before, and watching the power of Brady uh, kind of uh, dictate some of the players that are there. Like, I think uh, Antonio Brown officially signed today with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I, I think if you go back, it was kind of like Drew Brees was going to do what Drew Brees wanted to do on his terms. The reason I bring that up a lot, Austin, and I think the reason why we talk about it a lot is you don't have to get down the road too far before this organization right here across the street from where I am at the baseball grounds might have to think about some of these situations. You almost hope they have to think about some of those situations because that means Trevor Lawrence is really damn good. <laughs> and, well, no, for and, sure. And that means that you have one of those guys and you better, at the, the way I just phrased it on, on social media when I asked, I said, do you have to cater to the quarterback? It, it doesn't matter. You have to do that with kid gloves, but also with acknowledgement of the other 52 in the locker room. But still, quarterback is king. Quarterback's making 40 mil. Quarterback kind of gets what quarterback wants. I mean, that looks like the way we're headed. See, and if it yeah. works out in Jacksonville, it might be the way they're headed here in Jacksonville, too. See, and I get what you're saying, but to me, it's not even catering to the quarterback. It's just showing them respect. Like, you know, some of the greatest minds in the NFL are some of the worst people, you know, like, uh, you know, people, persons you're ever going to meet, a person, people, whatever you want to say, the, the worst people that you ever meet in terms of dealing with people. Um, because, like, when we talk about Deshaun Watson, yeah, now he's going through the whole slew of problems, but why did Deshaun Watson want out? It's because look, look what was happening in the organization. You know, you essentially hired a, a former preacher to run things, and he was running it in the ground. And Deshaun Watson was the only guy that spoke out and said, hey, we, we get rid of this guy. What are we doing here? You had former players. DeAndre Hopkins came out and said, what are you doing here? You have current players saying, what are we doing here? And you got the sense that the culture was toxic. And Deshaun Watson having the power at the time like he did, being the quarterback, like he is a top five quarterback more than likely, he wanted out. What was Russell Wilson's problem? He wasn't getting respected because he didn't have any help in the offensive line. Guy was getting killed back there. 
Seattle refused to sign anybody. And all of a sudden, you rely on Russell Wilson the first part of the season to carry that team, to, to put up MVP-type numbers. And then what does Pete Carroll do? Ah, you know what? Our defense kind of sucks. So let's bail them out a little bit, and let's slow the game down. Let's run the ball a little more. Let's take away those, you know, Pro Bowl-type. Let's take away those maybe MVP-type numbers, and let's slow this game down to have our defenses back. That's not respecting the quarterback. And why did Aaron Rodgers want out? He told it to us, you know, he told it himself. He wants out because he doesn't feel respected by the front office. Now, once again, you can go back to Jordan Love getting drafted. I'm not telling Aaron Rodgers. You can go by a whole laundry list, a whole slew of issues probably that Aaron Rodgers encountered. These aren't, it's not like, and I get it. The term diva gets thrown around. Brett Favre's doing his thing, talking all this trash. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, you just got to be people. You got to know how to treat people. And you have to know how to treat the most important person. If somebody wants something, then try to give it to them. Try to facilitate them or, or explain to them why they can't get that. Explain to Russell Wilson why he's getting sacked like 100 times a season. Explain to, to Aaron Rodgers, well, you should just tell him, hey, we're drafting a quarterback. Problem solved. Explain to Sean Watson why you want to keep a preacher over – the players' opinions over some of the coaches' opinions and why this guy seems to be the king. Explain that to him. At least keep him filled in on this stuff because he is more important than your regular player. Yeah, it, yeah. communication comes down to, which we've discussed so many times, we thought that went awry here in Jacksonville, and hopefully that's been uh, fixed. You, know, you think about some of these situations. LaFleur is not a very um, veteran coach. He's dealing with the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love saga, all this stuff going on. Uh, you think about Arthur Smith in his first gig now has a star player who basically has asked out. Doesn't want to be in Atlanta. You think about uh, Cully, it is uh, in Houston, uh, under the radar coach, but has to deal with all the Watson and Houston stuff. Uh, I don't know if, I think the stuff Urban Meyer, who obviously is a veteran guy, he's kind of brought on himself from uh, the hiring of the strength coach to bringing in Tim Tebow. But it's very interesting to see these new coaches or younger coaches and the stuff that comes with the position and how they deal with it. Uh, I don't think, like Arthur Smith, it's not make or break the Julio Jones thing. I think people get it. They kind of feel, okay, he hadn't been playing that. We already have Calvin Ridley. we got Kyle Pitts. It's like, okay, we can still score points. So it's a little bit different. But the Aaron Rodgers thing, and LaFleur, I mean, that sets the whole tone of what happens, not only the front office, but potentially with the coaching staff because you lose Aaron Rodgers, you might lose a lot of football games. Yeah. And the Houston thing is just such a mess. I feel like that guy almost, and, and unfortunately, I, I feel like this. I don't know if that's probably not very fair to him, but I feel like it's a Band-Aid and a bridge until they figure it out in Houston and get it right. But if you look at the situations around the NFL, man, a lot of young coaches or new coaches in some peculiar situations. No, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's the age-old question. Are you taking management or are you taking the quarterback? Because what is the goal in the NFL? It's to try to find that top five quarterback. It's why people make the trades. It's why they make so much money when you find one. Um, and it's why, you know, sometimes in free agency, you kind of risk it for the biscuit a little bit. Like, that's – it's that important. But at the same time, you know, whether you side with Aaron Rodgers or management, how long is Aaron Rodgers going to be there for? How many more years does he have left? Right? So, you know, it, it always is the catch-22 because coaches and, and GMs, if they have success – their shelf life, depending on the age of the quarterback, will probably be longer. But the quarterback obviously has the, the direct reflection on a game and can have the, the effect if you go to a Super Bowl or not. 
So it is kind of a slippery slope to say, well, who are we going to side with here? Who are we trying to make happy? The, the, the culture and the coaching and the GM or the guy that has probably the most power to actually get us to a Super Bowl? Yeah, uh, it's it's a fascinating dynamic in today's world. And I'm not saying it hasn't been a thing in years past. It just feels like it's in more volume and in the sport of the NFL. I think we've seen it in other sports, From especially the NBA comes to mind in terms of that power struggle sometimes, star athlete, management, coaches. Uh, hey, one other thought, uh, Jags, the NFL, uh, Judy Batista tweeted today that 30 of the 32 NFL teams have already been approved for like full attendance in the preseason, and it looks like training camp practices can be open to fans hey what a big win here in jacksonville that would be right absolutely absolutely man yeah I mean, how yeah, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead no i was gonna say how, how could it not be you know i mean yeah obviously people are gonna load that tia bank field week one or, i'm sorry week two would be because you're on the road week one but i mean to see it in training camp you know i mean training camps always i remember when i back in 2010 i mean it was always a great atmosphere of people coming out and we had the oklahoma drills because jack del rio wants to put on a show prime time like at eight o'clock at night when we had a practice a little aggressive but yeah well why would you not want to see urban meyer in the flesh why wouldn't you not want to see trevor lawrence and travis Etienne and all these guys like yeah i think it's huge news i can't remember who was it was it Bortles? Who would have been? Was it Gap? Who? What rookie camp was it years ago where people were looking under the fence? I think it was Bortles. Did they really do that for Bortles? I was gonna say that's it's <laughs> a very aggressive maneuver for <laughs> I'm, I'm the pretty, Blake Bortles well, entry. Uh, this was this was five. This was before it all <laughs> uh, unfolded. Okay. So, but there was a rookie camp that basically they sold out, and there were people peeking in under the fence. Sure. Okay, sure. and peeking in through the fence. Like it was, it was really one of those scenes on like an old baseball uh, stadium view of of trying to see like a Hank Aaron home run or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, it only holds a couple thousand people, so it's not like there are a hundred thousand people outside the practice facility. But you get my point. I kind of feel like it will have that kind of buzz for a camp practice open to see Urban Meyer with a whistle. Trevor Lawrence throwing a football, and Tebow wearing number 85. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to wrap my arms around it, man, but I understand the second game and all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's down the road. Mm-hmm. Practice on July 28th or 29th over there at that stadium? Yep. Holy cow. Bring in some extra security. No, for Place sure. This is going to be a mob scene. For sure. And listen, and if someone's interested in a, in a media pass, slide in my DMs a little bit. I'm trying to get a cyber truck, so maybe you know we can black market that media pass. I'm just kidding. Not going to do that. <laughs> yes, not going to do that. Yeah, you I'm won't get happy. in the press box hey, again. I'm just. Happy. Well, I mean, I'm not expecting to anyways. I don't know. We'll see. Coos, you trying to go to the press box to try to see that plus two mentality in terms of that food? Oh yeah. Plus two mentality, baby. I can't wait to see what they're going to offer us now. Plus two mentality with the food. What are you talking about? Hey, Urban Meyer made it very clear. It's going to be a complete paradigm shift in terms of the best of the best. And you better believe he's treating the the, the media the best as well. So I can't wait to see what a plus two mentality, a plus two spread looks like in that press box. Hey, see you later, egg rolls. We're talking like filet mignon and lobster tails. Yeah, like what's the the plus two of those nachos? Because the nachos were great. I mean, listen, the nachos were great. The spinach artichoke dip what not too What's shabby a plus two of that of nachos oh it's gonna be like seafood nachos shrimp uh, crab yeah. lobster yeah plus two mentality means you get two sides <laughs> 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 yeah, you can you get 
if you want flaming hot Cheetos to go along with your Chips Ahoy cookies. Coos, you got to save that, please. (laughs) That's going to be playing every intro, please. Oh, that's awesome. I will say, though, I mean, listen, Urban, there's a lot of pressure on you now. you got to beef up that food. It's not for me. I try to tell people it's for the national media. It's for the people coming in who want you raving about the food and the press Mm -hmm, box and mm -hmm. everything else in in Jacksonville. I mean, it might be for Coos and all. Too. Oh, I don't care. I'll eat the green hot dogs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, wait, but <laughs> here's here's my pitch though. Have have a local food truck. Like in what? cater where? The media box. In what? Have a food truck cater it. Like okay. they can be parked oh, outside okay. but bring the well, food up. That. Okay. I think yeah. you're like, well, they're gonna pull up in the stadium. Sorry. <laughs> well, I guess you could right by the door. I don't sure. know. I, mean, I think actually, that's a lot of food for the food truck to produce. That is though. a lot, yeah. I, I mean well, I would be surprised. Listen, it's plus listen. two. What are we gonna do? Let's go. <laughs> you get you got Tony Khan's here a little bit. Tell him a little bit about it. Yeah. Uh, still, hey, I, I just I go back to I, I'm excited about this now. Because camp's going to start around again, June 20, July 28th, I think is the date. It's usually like a Thursday at the end of the month. Yeah. And and I would assume most of those practices are going to be open. I don't know how much they'll control some of that, but there'll be a lot of them open. And I, it kind of just hit me just to see that scene as I look over the stadium. I mean, it's we saw the scene at the PGA Championship. We saw sports kind of come alive at Madison Square Garden. I'm not trying to over-dramatize, but my point being, it's like, it's back to normal, and people are starving for a little bit of it, too. And they're starving for it in Jacksonville because there's been a buzz about it since last December. And there is a little bit of part of this. And, you know, you add Tebow to the mix, and there's going to be more to it, you know. So uh, there was already – you could take Tebow out of the picture, and it would have been Urban, and it would have been Trevor, and it would have been wild. Yeah. And, and I think people – uh, as Ben Becker just texted me, the knothole gang, I think he said, you know, peeking <laughs> through. I think you're right. I mean, I think there will be that element. But you add Tebow to the mix now, and you do get another element. That's just reality, whether you like it or not. For sure. uh, that's reality. So that is cool, man. It's going to be a buzz. Uh, you know, there's been a buzz all the way up through the draft, right? There's not a buzz about Thursday when we go out to the OTAs, let's be honest. There's yeah. not even a buzz when we go to Jags minicamp in, in a couple of weeks and we spend three days out there watching. Sure, we get to talk about it. We'll see it. But the next buzz is training camp. Mm-hmm. And now the fans are going to be allowed, and we kind of thought it would go that way. But it looks like it's officially going to go that way. I mean, I can feel that. I can sense that. I mean, I think that is cool. That's what it's all about, and it's good that we're feeling that. Heck, we're feeling that off a of 1-15 in 15 team. So, uh, And then the next phase will be, of course, the, the games. And preseason games have full capacity. Regular season games can have full capacity. I expect some of those early games. We'll see how the Jags do. But I think we're going to have close to sellout crowds here in Jacksonville to get a glimpse of what this football team looks like. No, for sure. And, and that's... It's good stuff, man. It's it's all about the hype, right? Like, yeah, we'll see how this season plays out. We'll see if they can overachieve and maybe make a playoff run here in November or December. That's fine. But right now, all you got to go off of is the hype and be get excited. You know, I mean, when's the last time you've been this excited in, in a Jaguars off season? Probably 2018. Nick oh, Nick, okay, careful that Nick Foles. I mean, people were excited <laughs> for the most part, but there was a group of people that weren't too excited. But like, this is the first time in a long time it feels like where there's just so much hype and so much energy. Somebody yeah. confirm with me, by the way, too, yes. if that was the Bortles. I feel like that was the Bortles minicamp. I'm shocked. But I know I it does. Shocked. It does kind of sound even coming out of my mouth. But it wasn't like the Gabbert minicamp, man. You were there. You would have been playing. It wasn't that. It was more recent than that. Okay. And so I'm pretty sure it was the Bortles rookie minicamp when they picked him 
you know, keep in mind, they picked him third overall. That was a big deal. Sure. So, Still shocked, though. <laughs> yeah, but you're shocked almost in hindsight well, yeah, to realize but of that. Yeah. Brett, I've seen too much. What do you want me to tell you, man? Yeah. <laughs> I know you're scarred. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? So yeah. Are you telling me that the Not Whole Gang was out in Green Bay during OTAs <laughs> the last couple of days uh, for... for <laughs> <laughs> for Blake Bortles up there Brett, in Packerland. Real quick question, because I, I I don't want to lose focus of the most important part, and that's the the press box food and stuff like that. <laughs> what um so I mean you've obviously been to many press boxes. What would you say who has the best accommodations? It's so funny you said. I just was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Good. Good. Uh, so it's had, had a lunch mind. with somebody. Yeah, it is. It like really it. is. And I I told this person at least for. I've been to every stadium, except for the new stadiums now, like the L.A. ones, and, and Lambeau. Haven't been to yeah, Lambeau. Yeah. Uh, there are some good stadiums that stick out in terms of food. Uh, you know, Patriots in a, in a playoff atmosphere, they'll break out the clam chowder and stuff. Okay. Pretty good, you know. Uh, and the Seattle has, like, Starbucks, like, in the press box. Okay. Making Starbucks for you, and it also has good food. Okay, guys, I say that's, that's coffee. It doesn't. You know, yeah, I know, yeah. but no, it's good. Okay, it's good, good. food. Good food. Uh, there Probably are other ones that. And stuff. It, there are other ones that are probably pretty similar mm-hmm. um, in terms of, yeah, it's pretty good, but nothing that I remember okay. too much about. Okay. But I think the number one press box food that I've encountered in the NFL. Write this down, Coos. This was before they got good and won a Super Bowl, is the Tampa Bay Bucks. Really? Yes. I wonder huh. if my colleagues would agree. Okay. But it's very good in Tampa. And has been. Like, I've, we've been to Tampa a few times, and so they do a very good job. I think the Tampa spread is very good. Wow. Now, that's the one that I remember, and that sticks in my mind the most of being excellent. So I think that would surprise some people. Um, but, yeah, very good there in Tampa. Do you think it was like, hey, yeah, we know the price on the field kind of sucks and we're <laughs> yes. maybe a smaller market, but, like, yeah. hey, national media, you still want to come here and cover us because we have the good spread. Hey. I'm not lying to you. I think that should be kind of the case here in Jacksonville. Yes, yep. it was when Tampa was terrible. Yep. But I don't – you can – there's something about it, you know. If you have a national media guy come in and say, yeah, but I remember that Tampa food was pretty good. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. want something good about the experience. Depending, it didn't matter the product on the field, you know. <laughs> on, a, on a primetime game, they'll break out the fondue thing here in Jacksonville. So they kind of spice it up with the Peterbrook and all that. Um but still, it's like, eh, okay, but it's like a one-time thing. Like, we know you're just showing off for whoever's coming in with the Thursday night crew, you know? Uh, but, again, i got to be completely honest with you. I don't care about the press. I appreciate the press box food. I don't care if it's good, bad, and different. It's free. <laughs> so I don't really care. Like, I really don't. Genuinely say that. But um, I do think it does. Like, there's a subconscious to that. To some others, like, I think the Jags could do better with that. And I think it will have actually some some crazy, weird kind of value. And I think Tampa does that for me. Again, I just named – I could name 31 other teams, and Tampa has been really pitiful on the field up until last year. I, I remember their yeah. press box food. I can't, I can't wait. Week two, <laughs> when, when I get my credentials. And, like, cause you know me, because like we do like our three observations videos, sure. so I never actually go interview players or coaches. You better believe, Kuz, we're there week, hopefully we're there, week two in the press box. If it's not up to stuff, 
if, if, if this is <laughs> the plus two mentality, the first question I'm going to go ask Urban Meyer when I'm in that press Why conference. The food? Hey, uh, Urban, uh, he- heck of a game, but let's focus more on, on the food real quick. You, you promised us a plus two mentality. Can you explain what happened up See, there in the press box for if, the food? If I'm the Jags, too, I'm, like, petty about it. And, like, with the food truck idea, put signs next to all the foods. Like sponsored by local advertisers. Yep. Now, now we're talking. Stuff. Keep it local. I'm just saying. All local. I will make a TikTok video if I have to to expose the food if it's not plus two mentality. I. Um, they also might you know clap back as you guys like to say and say, "Hey, media, be better." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do if I was the Jags. <laughs> so hey, uh, let's hit. Speaking of all this food, I need a drink. How about the happy hour award here on a Tuesday from the ballpark? Taste the islands and every drop of Vida de Luis tequila. 100% blue agave from tequila, Mexico. Good vibes. It's a VitaDeLouis.com, the place to go where you can find a bottle of Vita de Louis tequila. Three different flavors in Yeho, Reposado, and Blanco. Locally owned tequila right here in Jack's Beach, all the way from Tequila, Mexico. Check it out, VitaDeLouis.com. Check us out for a half hour to go here from the ballpark, Bregan Field, 121 Financial Ballpark, the baseball grounds. Jumbo Shrimp and the Durham Bulls tonight. And across the street, we've got the Iceman playing in a big one here on a Tuesday night. So a lot going on downtown. Stay with us. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. It's a, it's, there's three islands, and it can be very nice and lucrative, by the way. You could be a huge winner, but you could be a huge loser, too. You might not have a boat to get home. Austin Lane. Well, I like that, now. I love that analogy. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I don't think nobody's embarrassed. I think that's just part of the game. They just broke that tail. They did. Um... But, you know, you, you put this behind us. We got two days to get ready for this next one. I mean, I, I think you kind of got to just leave it at that. I don't think, you know, frustration is going to change anything. I think you just got to compete a lot harder, do things the right way. But all in all, we realize we lost this game together. We went down. We are down 0-2. We're down 0-2 together. And whenever we get home, we're going to be together and we play game three. All right, that's uh, so the Miami Heat. Uh, I'm thinking that's out of bio. Bigger star. Oh, is that Jimmy? That's Jimmy, yep. Uh, Jimmy Butler, yes. Boy, are they getting whacked. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> 132 to 98 last night, the Heat. Lose to the Bucks. Might as well talk about the Bucks, considering uh, Austin's not here. Uh, oh, us first game by two in, in overtime. But oof, that was ugly last night. Uh, it sometimes happens. I don't. Ex- I would expect Miami to put up a bigger fight and and not go away, and maybe even steal a game or two. I, I think that was just a one game thing. I don't know if that's indicative of how much better Miami or, or the Bucks are. I, I think they're better. I don't know if that's indicative of how much better they are. What do you say, Driving Dish Podcaster? Yeah, I think he, I think it was a perfect storm of the Bucks just couldn't miss from three. I think they had 15 by half, 15 threes. Uh, Brian Forbes, like we were talking, like everyone was kind of talking about today, had six of those, and I know a lot of them were in the early 
parts of the game. And then you look at um, uh, Miami for it. They were 8 for 28 from 3, while, like I said, the Bucks were 22 for 53 for the game from wow. 3. So it, it it's one of those things where you had a team that just couldn't miss from 3, and then you had another team that wasn't even close to hitting a 3, and that's when you start seeing these wild scores. Like, I, I turned it on because uh, I was making dinner, you know, in the beginning or end of the second quarter and it was like 67 to 36 and i was like whoa what is going on here yeah and by the way i think miami made 23s in the saturday game they lost by a couple Mm -hmm. in overtime so i mean they that will speak a lot of that speaks volumes they made eight threes in this game and on top of that they were never in the game it doesn't matter they were never in it they never they never were in it and i mean you had uh one two two guys on three guys on the bucks making three or more threes you know for the entire game, and all of them shooting essentially 50% from three. So, you know, even Giannis hit a three, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, true. (laughs) Anything outside the circle uh, might be uh, surprising. Uh, Restricted area, excuse me. Uh, Celtics-Nets, give me the biggest game of the night. The most important – which game, too, is – most important to whatever team, all right? Yeah. Celtics, Nets, uh, the Nets lead one nothing, uh, But they're such a heavy favorite, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Lakers and Suns, obviously the Suns lead one nothing. Lakers only scored 90 points. Anthony Davis was terrible the other night. Yeah, um, I, Mavs I, and Clippers, by the way, go, and that's a one nothing series lead by Dallas on the road uh, in a very, very good series. Who's Which game two is most important to which team? Yeah, almost, I think both L.A. teams are going to be the ones to watch. Uh, in terms of important, yeah, Boston, you know, you can't go down 0-2. But but I think, you know, with Brooklyn, it's kind of expected for them to win. So the reason I say probably the Lakers being the biggest one, obvious, uh, because they are, they're technically the worst seed, but I don't think they're necessarily the underdog in terms of expectations. So if they go down, you know, two to the Suns, that's you're in panic mode, and you don't want to go down, you know, three games. And so that would create that narrative and especially if anthony davis and lebron james come out and you know quote unquote struggle again then the national media is going to be all over them about it and i think you could probably say the same for the clippers too i just think it's a heightened because it's the lakers so lakers phoenix is probably the biggest one of the game uh that people are going to be paying attention to you know it's interesting here because i think from a you're in tune with this uh you live in that that nba world way more but See, I don't really get – I understand, like, it's LeBron, it's Anthony yeah. Davis. But they won last year. There's not a lot of pressure on these guys. They've been banged up. They've been in and out of the lineup. Like, they've got excuses, and they won last year. Like, they already got it done. I don't feel like there's a ton of pressure. I feel like – now, the Clippers are just not as high profile of an organization. Yeah. But I feel like they're the ones that should feel a ton of pressure. They built that team to win. They failed miserably last mm-hmm. year. They fired Doc Rivers, who now is the number one seed in the East, to the team that he went to. Yeah. Like, I feel like the Clippers, again, if the Clippers were named the Lakers, there would be a ton of pressure on yeah. them. Exactly. But and, they're the Clippers. And, and to that, yes, they're on the short list of, like, if you, were to, if you were to look at the teams, that there would probably be some heavy changes if they're knocked out in the first round. The Clippers are definitely on it. I think Boston's also on it, but that's from a different standpoint. You know, Portland Trailblazers, another team, if they get bounced in the first round, it's like how many years are we just going to run the Damon CJ show and, and go from here? Where the Lakers, yes, they, uh, they, they, they won last year, so the expectation for that is, isn't, or, you know, the, the panic to get there isn't there. But I think when you're LeBron James, the, always the expectation with a LeBron James team True. is to be in the finals. And so that's why it could look a little bit different. Like, you, you worked so hard to just get to the playoffs, essentially, 
to get bounced in the first round. That's a bad look for LeBron, and and you know people will use that against him specifically when it comes to the MJ LeBron debate. You know. Yeah, listen, it's a massive story if they were to get beat in the opening round, but I just feel like in the grand scheme of things, I don't feel it to that degree. They're not going to they be won. firing a bunch of people like probably like potentially the Clippers do, or you're not going to be selling half the team and, and yeah. moving and, and trading and doing all that stuff. Yeah, I agree they'll reload. That. You know what they'll do? They'll spin this to be like, hey, at least he didn't have to go another two months. LeBron yep. can freshen up for the offseason. Anthony Davis can get right, and they'll make one more run at it next year. That will speaking, be the narrative. Speaking of that, uh, you just made me think of this. Uh, the news came out today that Clay Thompson's not going to be ready for the beginning of next season already. Wow. And that's kind of surprising that that news comes out now. I, I know they're trying to keep him safe, obviously. You don't want to you know, that's two injuries in a row, um, two, two ACLs in a row. So, you you know, you got to be careful with it. But I was surprised that news came out today before, you know, this season's not even over. What's the best series uh, opening round before we head to break? Do you think it's the Mavericks Clippers um, oh. or is it the Hawks and the Knicks? But, I mean, doesn't it have to be the Mavericks and Clippers? I mean, the star power is unbelievable. Here's the deal. Yeah. Both of those teams you think could threaten to win it all. The I don't feel that way about the Knicks or the Hawks. I mean, the Knicks are a great story. It's a fun story. The whole thing's cool. Trey Young, great. It has some energy to it. I'm not dismissing it. That's why I put it in the conversation. But I don't think anybody really feels like either team can go win it all. I think you got Doncic against Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers, and they've already taken game one. And they, because of their superstardom, they might be able to go on a run. I'm not sure many people yeah. are going to predict it, but I think I feel like that's the best series of the opening round. Am I wrong? To be honest, uh, you're probably right. Now, again, I'm coming from a different angle. I I think the one I'm really intrigued on right now is Denver Portland. Uh, you got you know you got Dame, you got CJ, you got Jokic. Jokic being probably the MVP this year. They're tied one one after last night's win for Denver. I think that might be the most exciting, or the Miami Heat Bucks. Although last night was such a blowout, you can't really get it. <laughs> yeah, you can't really well, get it's into 2-0 it. It's too old now too. You yeah, know? and so it makes it a little less intriguing. Um, so you're probably right with with Dallas and and the Lake or and the Lakers and the Clippers being uh, the most exciting. Though I think there's arguments for other ones. Like if Memphis wins again tomorrow against Utah as an eight seed. Oh yeah. Then then there's going to be some eyes looking at them as well. So yeah, I, I just don't think anybody believes that. Yeah, but that that's that could be Jaw's moment. You know, like this yeah. this is really Jaw's chance to do something about it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, one last thing. Um, the reason why I believe the series that I mentioned are the best series is in part because the road team won the first game. Yeah, that's a big you part know? of it. Yep. And so that's, to me, like, I don't feel that way about the Bucks Heat because ah, it's 2-0. Mm-hmm. You know? I haven't seen any surprises there. That doesn't look like it's going to be a great series, especially after game two. I, I get what you're saying about Memphis. I just don't feel that one yet. They're going to almost have to do – they're going to have to win another game to get to either 2-0 or 2-1 for me to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love that Mavericks-Clippers uh, series and – I'm not even a locked-in NBA guy. I just think there's some really cool stuff going on, uh, along with the Trey Young in Atlanta against the uh, the Knicks. All right, let's take a break. We're live at the baseball grounds. Put a bow on the show here today in case you missed any of it. Some big, fun storylines in sports. We will revisit them before we uh, head out of here on a Tuesday on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back live at the baseball grounds. Got a good game tonight. Jumbo Shrimp and the Durham Bulls. Wander Franco in town for the Rays. Rays won 11 in a row, by the way. Jumbo Shrimp have their own stars. Starling Marte on a rehab assignment. They also have Jesus Sanchez who's playing better than anybody in minor league baseball right now. So uh, come on out. Check them out. The Shrimp are good. The Bulls are good. It'll be a good baseball game. 
You don't always get that at the minor league level, but this should be a good series. And uh, I think there were tickets remaining for tonight and tomorrow, but some sold-out games going into the weekend with Thirsty Thursday and the rest. Check it out. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. If you can't come out to the game, you can listen on ESPN 690. You're home for Jumbo Shrimp Baseball. Pre-game starts at 6.50. First pitch right around 7.05. And uh, the whole ballpark will start to open up now in the next homestand, which will be June 8th. So as the rest of the world is opening up, doing the same right here in Jacksonville uh, in terms of full-capacity crowds. Big news today as well. Uh, training camp is going to be open to fans across the NFL. So that option exists. I would assume the Jags will utilize that option it would be buzzing over there at camp when that starts uh, looks like july 28th i think i saw today veterans will report july 27th so uh hey the later in july we go the better i like that makes summer a little bit longer before the football season comes and preseason games will be open to full capacity along with regular season Coos, real quick before i go i'm looking at the concession stand uh, i'm gonna leave beer out of it because i know you'll go double fisted on that peanuts popcorn brats hot dog pizza candy chips or jumbo pretzel what are you going to order? You get one. Jumbo pretzel, no doubt. Jumbo pretzel at the ballpark, really? No doubt, That yep. feels like more of a circus item for me. Oh, no, I'll, I'm all about the jumbo pretzel. Give me some of that uh, beer cheese dip. That's, that's my go-to move. All right, maybe I'll go do that for dinner. Uh, all right, that's going to do it here on a Tuesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Back at it at 3 o'clock. Just a reminder, go vote for our Athlete of the Week brought to you by Honda the Avenues. And you can purchase our Dream 8 team card, now just $45 for discounted golf and some free stuff. Just go to ESPN690.com to do that. I'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Have a good night, everybody.